Welcome to the Rock of Ages Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Duke Backus. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit rockofagesaog.org. God is so good. Uh, the last couple of weeks, we've been looking at a message that I've entitled Burning Once, and it's a message that, that you know, the Lord had given me actually several years ago, and I'm, I, I've just felt like it was, it was the time, it was necessary uh, just kind of for this hour and for things that we're experiencing in our lives. And, and, and I'm thankful that every time we can come together to open the word and, and, and listen to the word of God, we, we find just strength, church. We find just joy. We find just renewal, restoration uh, in the presence of the Lord and, and in his word. Amen. And so I'm just thankful for that. And so the last uh, few weeks, in last week, we, we were talking about having unity with the Holy Spirit. Amen? I pray that you have been taking notes, and I pray that you have been learning, and, and, and not just learning. The Bible says that, you know, you know it's, it's, it's not good to just hear the word. The Bible says that we're supposed to be doers of the word as well. Amen? And so, and so I pray that as you've been taking notes and receiving from the word, that you are applying it to your life. Amen? You are taking it and you are putting it in the soil of your heart and you are allowing the Lord to, to work that in your life and begin to see that fruit uh, blossom forth. Amen. And so I believe, church, the Lord is looking for a generation that just desires him. Amen. In a generation, in a lifetime that we are living in of, of, of crazy distraction. I mean, the amount of distraction that you have, you know, let, let me give you a, a, a quick tip, okay? This one's for free. You don't have to, you know, ask anything. Shut off your notifications on your phone. You would not, you would be amazed by just leaving your text messages on and your phone calls on, but shutting off social media Shutting off the Walmart ad that pops up at 2 a.m., you know, shutting off the, the things that, that can just wake you up and just startle you or, or distract you in the middle of your day. Amen? And so I believe it's important for us to stay focused on the Lord right here and right now in the season that we are living in. And so that tip was for free. Uh, you can thank me later. But I'm telling you, shut off your notifications. It will save your life. It will really save your life. I don't understand why people have notifications for things like, you know, games on their phones and things on that, that are completely unnecessary, but incredibly bothersome. And believe it or not, they will be used by the enemy. I don't care what it is. It could be Candy Crush. It could be some ad from Craigslist. It could be anything. Those things the enemy can use to distract you, to keep your mind going where you never find rest. Amen. So do that, not now, after service. The Lord is looking for people that are focused on him. He's looking for people and individuals that have their attention set on him. When your attention is set on him, the Bible says that when your eyes are fixed on Jesus, when your gaze is fixed on Jesus, and you have a singular focus of him, I believe, church, that that is the greatest weapon that you have in a world today. Because when you are honed in on the Lord, when you are focused on the presence of Jesus, what begins to happen is everything else just fades away. 
I can look at the face of Jesus. I can look at his word. I can look at his promises. I can pray to him. I can worship him. And I just keep my focus there. I get it that we need to apply attention elsewhere. You know, for those of you that are students and those of us that have jobs and work, I get that we have to use our, our we have to split our brains sometimes and, and use and focus on certain things in life. But listen, in the moment of your work, in the moment of your studying, in the moment of handling, handling family business, you can still be focused on Jesus. You can still have your attention on him. And so I believe the purpose of knowing and having a relationship with the Holy Spirit will result in the things that we talked about last week. It will result in a people that preach and share the gospel. When you're focused on him, you will fulfill his mission. When you're focused on him, you are going to speak about him. The Bible says out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. You can tell what an individual is full of by what they talk about. That might not be good for everybody, but you can just understand what the point I'm getting at. You can understand where their gaze is, where their focus is, where their attention is at. If all they want to talk about is sports, it's because all they consume is sports. If all they want to talk about is the stock market, it's because all they're focused on is the stock market. Do you understand where I'm going tonight, amen? And so when your focus is on Jesus, you're going to talk about Jesus. When your attention is on the Lord, when you are focused on, on what he is and who he is to your life, you're going to speak about him. It is the natural response of an individual that is focused on the Lord and has their attention on Jesus. You will share the gospel. But an individual that isn't focused on the Lord will never Share the gospel. And so I believe a, a group of people that the Lord is looking for is a people that will follow the direction of God. When you're focused on Jesus, you will follow his leading. Amen? When you are focused your life on, upon him and you're focused on his word, you're going to be sensitive to the direction that he's going. It would be a shame to say that we're followers of Jesus, but yet we're going in a completely direction, a different direction than him. It would be a shame to say that, oh, you know, I, I'm, a, I'm a disciple of Christ, I'm a follower of Jesus, and yet you reveal nothing in your life of who he, who he is. Again, these are things that you cannot make up because an orange tree cannot bear an apple as a fruit. And an apple tree can never bear an orange as a fruit. If you are in him and you are remaining in him, you will bear the fruit of him. Amen? And so I believe that as we are close to the Lord, as we are, you know, just following the leading of the Holy Spirit, we will also become a people that stand for righteousness and truth. Something that needs to be said, you know, from more pulpits today is, is we have this notion that we just must love people only into the kingdom. And we have redefined what true love is and we think that love is acceptance and tolerance when it's never been that. I'll say that one more time. We think of agape love and, and, and we have redefined it as the body of Christ. And we say that it's acceptance and it's tolerance and it's not that. Unconditional love accepts an individual in the condition that they are in. But when they have met and encountered the pure love of God and the pure love of Christ, then he is able to place a demand on your life that says, if you love me, you will obey what I command. Amen. 
So the condition now is when you've encountered the love of God, you are what? You are obligated to love God back with your entire life. And when you love the Lord in such a way, church, you will become a person that stands for righteousness and truth. You will be able to see the, the tricks and the lies and the deceit of the enemy, and you will tear down those things because you are a person that knows the truth. You are an individual that has received truth in their life, and you understand that this is anything that is outside of that truth is outside of God. And we're not redefining truths, and we're not redefining right, what righteousness is. But we are standing still steadfast on the word of God. Amen. And we're standing on his word and we are saying in this hour, I will stand for righteousness and in truth. I believe that a people that knows the Holy Spirit will be a people that desire to know him in fullness. That is your hunger for the Lord, your hunger for God, church. It would become something that is that is daily growing that the more you learn about the Lord, the more you have, have sought the Lord, the more you have encountered the Lord, the more you should want to know him. Amen? The more that that desire should grow, it shouldn't be a love that grows cold. That, that, that tends to be kind of the thing that happens when people have been in the church for a long time. And the Bible says that even in the last days, the love of most will grow cold. And so I'm here to tell you that, listen, you're, you're, uh, you're, if I can just implore this over your life, you should love him more and more as every day goes by. Don't lose the first love of your life. Don't lose the love for Jesus that you had when you met him. Don't lose the love of Jesus that you had when you encountered him for the first time and you were met with just that power of the love of God. Don't lose that, church. It is the most important thing. For those of you that are married, and, and I don't know how many of us are, but for those of you that are married, you know, uh, the tendency that happens when a, a, a couple has been together for some years is that they, they kind of become an old married couple, like they say. You know, the, the, the husband used to, you know, you know, get all dressed up and clean shaven and, you know, used to put on his, his best, you know, clothes so that he could take his, his wife out on, on, a, on a Friday night and, and go treat her to a good dinner. And, and you know, there was, there was things, you know, pick a rose for her, you know, he'd buy her a box of chocolates, whatever it was. There was, there was this element of, of doing everything that the individual could do to please their spouse. It was this element of wanting to show love, to show affection, to, to show how much you cared for that individual. And so the beginning of any relationship uh, is always like that. It's always very intense. It's, it's, it's you know, one of those things where that those people are just, you know, they're, they're trying to prove that love for one another. But the tendency that happens after an individual has proven that, you know, and I remember my wife and I dated for almost nine years, so uh, I had a lot of proving to do, apparently. <laughs> but I was proving it. I was trying to prove it. I was trying to prove it. But the tendency is, is that once the individuals finally get married and they make the covenant with one another, it's kind of like, okay, now I can relax. Because I, I, I got what I wanted. You know, now I've, yeah, I'm hers, you know, that kind of thing. And, and with the Lord Church, it's important for us to understand. I believe it was the Church of Laodicea, the book of Revelations, that said, 
the word of the Lord to that church was to return back to their first love. It was to understand that they had moved away from what got them there in the first place. They had moved somehow from what got them to that place of communion and fellowship with God in the first place. And I want to encourage you tonight, you know, when I ask you questions like, do you love Jesus? Do you love the Lord? Are you, are you happy to be in the house of the Lord? It shouldn't just be an automatic response. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, every single day it should grow. And you should say, yes, I love him more. I love him more today than I loved him yesterday. Because he's proven to me once again today that he's given me breath in my lungs, mercy for my life. He's given me a brand new day that I can be thankful for and I can, you know, give him the glory in because that's the kind of God that I serve. And so your love should be continually growing for the Lord. You should continue to desire to know him in all fullness. And the last thing that we had learned last week was this, is that, you know, a people that are burning passionately for the Lord will one day inherit the kingdom of God. What a blessed hope, amen? What a, what a powerful truth to know that one day, church, one day you will see him. One day your eyes will be able to behold the Savior of the world. I remember in the, in the book of Luke, uh, there, there, was a, there was a man named, by the name of Simeon. And the Lord had given Simeon a prophetic word, and that prophetic word was that he would see God. Now, Simeon didn't think that he was probably going to see God in the nature that he saw God in. But the word of the Lord was given to Simeon, and, and the Bible says that it was after, you know, Mary had given birth that Simeon actually got to do the baby dedication. And Simeon held him up. He held up this baby, this, this, this Christ, and he said, my eyes have seen the glory of God. He had beheld with his own eyes who Jesus was. And church, one day you will see him face to face. One day this God that we've been speaking of, this Jesus that has been crucified for the sins of the world, one special, powerful, awesome, and glorious day, you will see Jesus face to face. Amen? I'm waiting for that. That's better than the best trailer of the new movie that's coming out that you want to see. Man, that is better than, than the upcoming game that you're looking forward to watching. That is better than anything that you will ever experience in this life. So our love for Jesus should continually grow. Amen. I believe the Lord is desiring that we would be faithful with him until the very end. As we continue this evening, this, this is kind of the big point that I want to make tonight is your unity with the Holy Spirit will bring immunity to your world. You can write that down. Your unity with the Holy Spirit will bring immunity to your world. How many of you have ever needed to get away? Amen? You got to get away sometimes. You just got to unplug and, and, and get away. And how many of you know that that place of immunity is found in the presence of the Lord? The place of immunity is found in the presence of the Lord. And the Bible teaches that we can only enter the presence of the Lord by the Spirit. And so Psalm chapter 16, if you have your Bibles, you can open them there. If not, you'll follow along. Psalm 16 verse 11 says this. You will show me the path of life. 
And it says, in your presence is fullness of joy. It says, at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Acts 2 and 28, let's keep going. It says, you have made known to me the path of life, and you will fill me with joy in your presence. You guys don't sound very joyful tonight. I'll read it one more time. You've made known to me the path of life, and you will fill me with joy in your presence. Let's keep going. Psalm 31 verse 20 says, In the shelter of your presence, you hide them from all human intrigues, and you keep them safe in your dwelling from accusing tongues. This is what the presence of God does. The presence of God is a place of immunity. It says you will keep them safe from accusing tongues. The shelter of your presence, is, it, it hides them from all human intrigues. That's kind of like uh, uh, all human, um, the other translation uses a, a different word. But basically it's like all the human commotion and things that go on in life. Second Chronicles 20 and 9, let's keep reading. If calamity comes upon us, whether the sword of judgment or plague or famine, we will stand in your presence before this temple that bears your name and we will cry out loud to you in our distress and you will hear us and you will save us. You see, this is the God church that we serve. That when you stand in his presence, that when you have received the presence of God and the presence of God is around you, it is a place of immunity. It is a place of protection. It is a place where you can't get hurt. It is a place where the Lord puts a shield of life around you, and it's literally his covering. The Bible says that we, that we hide under the shadow of the Almighty. That there's healing in his wings, church. The Bible says that he is enthroned upon the praises of his people. And the presence of God, church, is so powerful, it's so important. It is incredibly important the way the Lord works because when we call upon the name of Jesus, when we call upon the Lord and his presence is with us, his presence is near us, church, it, it, it reminds us of so many things that we have, but yet we forget that we do. We often forget that he's with us. Say, God, how could I be going through this thing that I'm experiencing? How could I be, you know, facing what I'm facing today, Lord? What is the deal? Why am I feeling this way? But listen, he is with you. He said, I'm with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. He didn't go anywhere. But when you worship, when you begin to lift up your voice, when you begin to speak of his goodness, when you begin to tell of his faithfulness and you sing songs about him, church, all of a sudden it reminds you and it recalibrates your heart to know that he is with you. It reminds you to understand that he has never left. So when I'm worshiping, when I'm giving him glory, when I'm giving him the best of my praise, oh man, I feel his presence just wrap all around me. Psalms 32 and verse 7 says, you are my hiding place. You will protect me from trouble and you will surround me with songs of deliverance. I love that. You are my hiding place. You will protect me from trouble and you will surround me with songs of deliverance. A song of deliverance, I've kind of taught on this before, and this is not really in the message tonight, but a song of deliverance, church, is, is a weapon. It's like a key. 
that when you begin to glorify God, it's the, it's the Paul and Silas experience. How many of you remember that in the book of Acts? The Bible says that they were in prison and they were in chains. And at the midnight hour, they began to sing songs unto the Lord. They began to call upon the name of the Lord and they began to worship him in the middle of their chains. See, I don't know about you, but that might seem like a pretty difficult circumstance to worship God in and from. But the Bible says in the middle of their jail cell, while they were shackled in their hands and their feet, they began to sing songs unto the Lord. And as they sang those songs, as they began to glorify the name of the Jesus, the Bible says that the prison quaked and every single chain fell off and they were set free. That's what a song of deliverance looks like. That when you begin to call upon the name of Jesus, he protects you from trouble and he delivers you from your enemy. I love that song that we sing that says, you know, it, it, it talks about that verse that says, you know, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. <laughs> you want to know what that looks like? It's like you sitting down at a restaurant in the middle of a war zone. And you can enjoy the greatest affair and the Lord is sitting right in front of you having communion with you. The Lord is talking with you. The Lord is, is, is sharing with you. The Lord is admonishing you. The Lord is encouraging you. The Lord is, is his presence and his love is with you. And guess what? You're in the middle of a war zone. You're in the middle of chaos. You're in the middle of trouble. And guess what? The presence of God is with you, church. He prepares a table for you in the presence of your enemies. I believe, church, that we are living in a world that wants to rob us of our joy. Amen? Every single thing that you read on the news is, is, is a robber of joy. Almost every single thing that you, you know, would, would open up the newspaper or on your social media, it is a robber of joy. It is literally, you know, I, sometimes I believe it's just like a demonic, you know, influence that's there to like say, okay, I'm going to take your joy today. You were doing just fine until you clicked on the phone. You were doing just fine until you got that news. You were doing just fine. You felt good. Your spirit was alive. You were happy. You were, you were thanking God. You were, you know, just knowing that God was with you. And then all of a sudden something triggered you and all of a sudden your joy left. The Bible says that the enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy. And he is after your joy, church. He's after the very thing that even he knows gives you strength. He's after that thing that even he knows is, 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 is fuel for your life. And so he will do anything and everything that he can. He'll, he'll give you a bad you know, grade on your report card or he'll do something just to make you lose that joy. In a world that wants to rob us of our joy, it's in his presence, church, that we take hold of it. You see, if the enemy robbed you of it, all you have to do is just get into the presence of God and he'll give it right back. I'll say that one more time. If, if the enemy has robbed you of that thing, he's robbed you of your joy, all you have to do is call upon the presence of the Lord and the Lord's going to give it right back. He's going to fill up that tank of joy in his presence. In a world that wants you in anguish, in a world that wants you full of anxiety and depression, he will shelter you in his presence. He will be that shelter that you and I need, church. He will be that covering that we need. The shelter of the Lord is perfect. It's impenetrable. 
It's the best thing that you could ever have in your life. Because when you're connected to the Lord, you're not easily shaken. When you're trusting in God with your whole life, his, his life is a lot stronger than our life. Amen? The Bible says that he is the anchor that holds. So when you're doing this and when life is trying to bend you this way and bend you that way and, and move you, you know, off of your spot of Jesus, he is the anchor that is holding you firm, church. In a society that wants to strike fear into you, he is your hiding place. He protects us from trouble and surrounds us with songs of deliverance. In the presence of God, we are immune to the attacks of the enemy. That's what it is saying. That's what it means. And I don't know about you, but this excites my heart, and it actually fills my heart with gladness and joy. It really does. Because my heavenly Father church is just a prayer away. The presence of the Almighty God is just a time in worship away, church. The moment I begin to declare of His goodness, His faithfulness, His presence begins to clothe my life and His power begins to just, you know, shield our life and it becomes protection around us. He comes to your defense in times of accusation. He comes to your rescue when your heart is heavy. He lovingly corrects those things in you in those moments. In the presence of God, church, he literally recalibrates your life. But outside of the presence of God, you don't get that. Outside of the presence of God, you are literally, you know, bait for the enemy. You're subject to whatever the world wants to do in your life. But when you have declared the presence of God over your life and you have stayed steadfast in the presence of the Lord, in an attitude of gratitude, in thankfulness and worship to the Lord... You become immune to all the things around you. I ask this question, church, how can we not love him? I want you to think about that just for a second. How can we not love him? How can we not thank him for his mercy and his grace? How can we not endlessly shout hallelujah and thank him for who he is and who he's been and who he'll always be? There's that old saying that says, the cat got your tongue. The enemy will wage war against your worship. The enemy will wage war against your praise. He wants to silence you. He wants to stop you from giving the Lord thanks because he knows what happens when you do. He understands what happens. When the Bible says that Satan was cast down, he was thrown out of heaven like lightning. He understood what it was like to once be in the presence of God, and he knows that he can no longer enter into the presence of God. So he will fight against everything in your life to keep you from having that. You ever met an individual that wants to, like, you know, they're jealous of you or whatever, and they always want to, you know, have the things that you want before you want to have them or whatever, you know? I don't know if I said that right, but you know what I mean. They're those people that are always trying to one-up you. You're like, yeah, I was just thinking about getting this, you know, new car or whatever. And, and, you know, they go get the one that you wanted in the same color that you wanted it in. And, and that's just what the enemy does. The enemy is exactly like that. I mean, he's going to go in your life and he's always going to try to beat you to the punch. He's always going to try to take that thing that you so desperately need. But how many of you know that we can take it back by just lifting our hands to Jesus and saying, we love you, Lord. It's as simple as that, church. My God is faithful. Is your God faithful tonight? 
I said, my God is faithful. My God keeps me rich in every situation. My God has breathed life into my lungs, church. He's breathed life into your body. And guess what? My response should be, he is worthy of all my praise. Our response should always be that he is worthy of all honor. He is to be crowned and enthroned with the praises of his people. You see, I don't need to be entertained to worship God. Worship isn't entertainment, though the world has tried to make it such. Worship isn't hype, though the world has tried to make it such. That's not who God is. When I declare who he is, is when his presence falls. When I sing of what he's done, is when his presence falls. When I understand what it is that he's done for me, his presence surrounds me. When I just simply think of who he is, church, and forgive me for getting a little emotional, but I could talk about the faithfulness of God all day and all night. I could take you through times in my life and through stories and moments and, and things that happened where I saw the faithfulness of God. Where I have seen and experienced a, just, just a move of God where the Lord delivered me in some kind of way. Where the Lord set me free in some kind of way. Where the Lord just uplifted me out of the mud and the mire like the book of Psalms says. Where the Lord just did something in my life. And I believe that every single time we open our mouth to talk about Jesus, our hearts should be moved. Amen? That when you say he's been so faithful, it's because it's true, church. When he's been so faithful in your life, you know, you can't help but, but you know, well up in tears of knowing the faithfulness of God in your life. I was on my social media the other day and, you know, I went back and I scrolled back like five, six years I saw my girls and they were like this. I was like, oh man. <laughs> now they're like this. You know, they're, they're growing and, you know, my oldest one's about to turn 10 on Saturday. And, and I said, God, you're so faithful. <sighs> Took us four years to receive that blessing. You want to know how many times we prayed? How many times we worshiped through pain? How many times we declared the promises of God even though we hadn't seen it? You know, sometimes, church, you have to sing it before you see it. Sometimes you have to worship that thing, just, and just worship the Lord, rather, but worship him so intensely despite what your eyes see, despite what you're carrying in your life. Despite what you've actually received, church, you just, you have to press in in that way. You have to press in in that way. My God has been faithful. My God has been faithful. John 4 and 23, hope I can get through this tonight. John 4 and 23 says, a time is coming and has now come when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. Amen. There's a key right there. To worship him in spirit and in truth is to please him in worship. They're the kind that he's looking for. He's not looking for the ones that are fake. He's not looking for the ones that are just doing it because they want to exercise. 
I'm not criticizing anybody. If you jump and shout in worship, by all means, go ahead. Do cartwheels for all I care. As long as it's a true, genuine expression of, of an authentic worship unto the Lord. As long as you are genuine in your heart. These are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. It says, uh, verse 24, God is spirit and his worshipers must worship in spirit and truth. True worship, I, I wrote this on my, my wor- uh, social media thing the other day. True worship isn't about our pre- preferences, but it's about his pleasure. True worship is not about our preferences, it's about his pleasure. I'm a musician, I, I've been a musician you know, pretty much my entire life, and there's been times where you know, I thank God that I've been able to use my gifts for the Lord in, 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 in his presence and to serve him. But as a musician, I can be honest and frank with you that sometimes as a musician, yeah, I might get bored playing something. I'm just being honest with you. I've played a lot of different types of music, and I've had the opportunity to, to play many different types of songs and genres, if you will. But there's been times where, you know, I have played something that was so simple, it was so basic, if you will, and, and, and my flesh said, oh, that's boring. But the spirit was the only thing that mattered. My flesh doesn't matter. I shouldn't be entertained or, or hyped up because I want to play the song. I should be focused on who the song is for. Amen? Amen? Yeah. I should have more concern of who it is singing about and what it is doing. I remember songs that we used to sing that said, there was this one that uh, Linda would sing all the time, said, Oh, the glory of your presence, we your temple. I'm singing it way too high. We give you reverence. So arise to your rest and be blessed by our praise as we glory in your embrace. We would sing songs that had nothing to do with us and everything to do with him. Had nothing to do with me. And everything to do with him, church. And that's what he pleases him. If we had a worship service right now that lasted till midnight and everybody's like, well, I can't stay till midnight. You guess what? God doesn't, God's not bothered by that. He's looking for those who are going to worship him in spirit and in truth. He is pleased when you enter into his gates with thanksgiving in your heart and with songs on your lips. God is not impressed by the songs that we sing well or our own ability to mimic the artistry of another. He's listening to your heart, church. Amen? He is listening to your heart. He's watching to see if your worship is more than a karaoke session. And he's watching to see if your worship is more than a few minutes in a service like this. He's paying attention to the moments of heartache and pain that you have endured. And he's listening to still see if you will thank him and give him honor in those moments. That's what worship is. Worship in the spirit will take you to the presence of God. And this is how Christ himself worshipped God. He was unified with the Father's heart. And when you worship him in spirit, you get in tune with the Father's heart. All the things that were wrong, all the things that were mistaken in your life, all the things that were out of order become back in order when you worship the Lord in spirit and in truth. 
Christ was unified with the Father's heart in spirit. Amen? This next verse that I'm about to read, it gives us an important key to worship. It's in Romans 12 and 1. I believe we've all probably heard this, but I want us to apply it to our life. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy. Let me stop there just for a second. You know that God does not have to be merciful. God, uh, mercy is a gift from God. I'll say that one more time. Mercy is a gift from God. You know, God is like the God of, like, he has like the lightning finger. God could just like, poof, and you're done. We realize that, right? The Bible says the fear of the Lord is, is, is the beginning of all wisdom. The Lord can do anything in our life at any, any given time. It says, so, so in view of God's mercy, in, 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 in sight of God's mercy, in noticing his mercy in your life, Offer your body as a living sacrifice. Offer your body as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Sometimes that we think that, you know, worship is just from our mouth. It's just an expression of, of our lips. But worship isn't just from your mouth. It's from your being. It is from all of your life, amen? It is from everything that you are. It involves all of us being fully his. It means a transformation of the flesh. It means allowing the sacrifice of the blood of Jesus to cover and cleanse your life. And the Bible says that without the shedding of blood, there is no remission for sins. So that means that you can't be purified or holy without the blood of the lamb on your life. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 17 says, Whoever is united with the Lord is one with him in spirit. It says, So flee from sexual immorality and all other sins that a person commits out are outside of the body. But whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. Do you not know that your bodies are the temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you whom you've received from God? He says, so you are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. So there's a connection between this body, which is a living sacrifice and a temple of the Holy Spirit and our worship. You see, the world wants to make worship just some, some kind of trivial commercial thing that everybody is involved in and everybody engages in because it looks cool on YouTube nowadays. But listen, true worship is actually honoring God with all of you. Honoring God with every area of your being. See, the price was too high for us to sell ourselves so cheap. For us to think that somehow we could dabble in this or dabble in that and think we're still worshiping him. See, the devil is an absolute liar when he deceives the children of God into thinking it's okay to offend the Holy Spirit over and over again. When he deceives young people into thinking to do what pleases their flesh instead of listening to the word of God that says to honor him with your body. Romans 6 and verse 6 is, For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with. That we should no longer be slaves to sin. It says because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. Now if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. Amen. Amen. 
So the only way to be a living sacrifice, like Paul mentioned in Romans 12, is to be born again. Amen? It is to be born again for our flesh to die and be crucified so that our spirit can live and, and exalt Christ. Sacrifice in the Bible, if you remember in the Old Testament, it meant to kill an animal and shed its blood so that there could be the forgiveness of sins for the people. Right? Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. So they used to sacrifice an animal, and I know uh, some of you saw the animal sacrifice that I made this past week on my Instagram. Uh, that deer is in the presence of the Lord now. Thank God for that. That was a joke. You can laugh, okay? Goodness, people. I saw Pastor Thomas was laughing on my Instagram. He, he made a funny comment. Animal sacrifice, though, in the New Testament after Christ died was no longer necessary. It was no longer necessary because by the blood sacrifice of one man, that is Jesus, all men might be saved. Amen? All men might be saved. And so when you said yes to Jesus, in that moment, your flesh was crucified, which means that we are to consider ourselves to be dead to all that once imprisoned us. In the moment that you said yes to Jesus and you were born again, it meant that you are now to consider yourself dead to all that once imprisoned you and you are to live your life going forward for Jesus. Everything that you do is with the Lord in mind. So when you honor the Lord with your body as a living sacrifice, that is true and proper worship. When we express with our lives and our bodies that he is Lord, we find a place of immunity from this world. The enemy works fast, church, to create a fence. The enemy works so fast and so, you know, he, he's working, you know, kind of a, around the clock, if you will, to, to, to get your life to, to buy into certain things and certain lies so that you can not experience the presence of God, so that you can remain in bondage, so that you can remain, you know, undelivered from something. And so he's always working, uh, you know, tirelessly to get you to buy into some kind of lie, to think that, you know what, you can just live a certain way, live a certain life, style and still be a worshiper of God but make no mistake what the word says church it is very very clear that the Lord is looking for those that would worship him in spirit and in truth and those who worship him in spirit and in truth are those who are living as a living sacrifice unto the Lord their mind their speech their body everything that they do is living to please the Lord this part of living by the Spirit of God to be able to have fellowship and communion with Him is, is the, the most awesome thing that you could ever encounter at church. Like I said, He sets a table for us in the presence of our enemies, and if that's not a picture of immunity, I don't know what is. But when you're enveloped in the presence of the Lord, you're not thinking about the present, which is your current situation. You're focused on Him. I understand that in this life, church, sometimes stress and circumstances can rob you of your praise and can rob you of your thankfulness to God. But don't let the enemy control your life as such because know that you have a place of refuge in him. Psalms chapter 5 and verse 11 says, Let all who take refuge in you be glad. Let them ever sing for joy. Spread your protection over them that those who love your name may rejoice in you. It says, for surely, O Lord, you bless the righteous and you surround them with your favor as a shield. 
And so I believe that the Lord, in order for us to continue to burn passionately for Christ, we must be obedient to the Holy Spirit. Amen? We must be obedient to the Holy Spirit. We, we must be worshipers who worship Him in spirit and in truth. I love this verse, uh, the last one that I'll read for you tonight. It's Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 28. It says, Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful. And so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe, for our God is an all-consuming fire. Amen? You know, church, that his kingdom isn't moved by the worries of this world. His kingdom cannot be shaken by the quaking of this world. Nothing phases God. It only attempts to phase us. And I realize that in this world, it isn't exactly a source of joy or hope anymore. But I heard recently that sometimes we just need to sing it until we see it. Amen? And so we need to just sing to the one who heals, just glorify the one who can save and keep lifting our lives and our voices to the one. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. Join us next time for another uplifting message. If you'd like to support this ministry and the reaching out of others, you have the opportunity to give at rockofagesaog.org give.